Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Ohio Politics Explained, the politics is cool, like the other side of the pillow edition. This week, we're talking about how redistricting could impact public education in Ohio, whether a law moving through the legislature is anti-protest or anti-riot, who did and didn't endorse in the race for governor and U.S. Senate, and how Larry Householder is still trying to be involved in legislation. Co-piloting with me this week is reporter Haley B. Miller. Welcome back to the show, Haley. Good to be back, though the recording studio is not as nice as the beach I was on last week. Yeah, neither is the weather. Yeah, very gray. Yeah, the sky is crying. And it might be crying because Ohio's redistricting committee is currently working on its third set of legislative maps as we record this podcast. They technically have until midnight tonight, which is Thursday. And right now they're still arguing. I'm told there are easels and dry erase markers, so you know it's serious. But as the debate continues, there's another map that we haven't really talked about yet, and that's the map for the Ohio State Board of Education districts. So Ohio's districts all nest inside each other, which is something my organizational heart loves. So we have 99, I'm way too excited about this. We have 99 state house seats, 33 state senate seats, and 11 on the Board of Education. And the, so why should you care who sits on this board? I'm glad you didn't ask, Kaylee. (laughs) These are the people who set curriculum standards, big picture education goals. They can fire teachers for misconduct, revoke their licenses. Like they're a pretty important board. And you take three Senate seats and you make one board of education seat and the governor does it. And it looks like, at least according to public education advocates, like DeWine drew them to make it more difficult for the more liberal members of the board. Basically, the accusation is gerrymandering. That sounds familiar. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like some of the more liberal Democratic members of the board are seeing changes in their districts that they feel like are going to hurt them. If I'm correct in remembering your story, I don't think anyone's up for, you know, re-election or anything this year, but it's something they would certainly have to contend with in the next election. Yeah. So they're not up in 2022. They are up in 2024. And Now, the board is nonpartisan. You don't run as a Republican or Democrat. There is no primary. But, you know, Christina Collins, one of the board members from Northeast Ohio, she said she sought Democratic Party endorsements. She is a Democrat. Like, that's not something that she hides. And that she voted for an anti-racist resolution back in the summer of 2020. And then she voted against repealing it. And she is completely drawn out of her district. And for better or worse, probably worse, school boards have gotten a lot more politicized recently because of COVID-19 and issues like critical race theory. So if you're a board member like Christina and you're ending up under the jurisdiction of more conservative areas or areas where more conservatives are starting to get elected to school boards, it's definitely a different dynamic. Yeah, she uh, basically said she questioned whether the people in the new district would appreciate her perspective on things. Which is a fair concern to have. Yeah, whether she could actually represent them in a way that they would want. And our second topic is Ohio's protest laws. And depending on who you ask, the General Assembly is working on a law that would either increase the punishments for rioting or for protesting. So... 
Um, Republicans said creating new misdemeanors and felonies when there is a protest where law enforcement deems it a riot would protect law enforcement and peaceful protesters. But Democrats said a legal riot isn't what you think. So when I say the word riot, Haley, what, what comes to mind? Fire, clubs, smashing things, like, mass crowds, violence. Right. So Ohio defines riot as more than four people committing a disorderly conduct with the intent to commit another misdemeanor. And that could be literally five people blocking traffic in an intersection. Yeah, it's a really abstract definition. And as some advocates have pointed out with this legislation, that vagueness is not helpful in a situation where you're trying to figure out if something is a riot and possibly punish people even further for participating in a riot. Right. There are some misdemeanors that could become felonies. There's also riot assault. There, it, it opens the door to lawsuits from law enforcement who claim they were injured during these commissions of riots. And you know what some of the Democrats and some groups like the ACLU of Ohio are saying is if there's a lot of latitude in defining a riot, what's to stop them from, say, defining it for a Black Lives Matter protest, but not an open Ohio protest? Right. And it's important to remember, too, a lot of this legislation came about after the George Floyd protests in 2020. And there was some damage caused to buildings downtown. And lawmakers since then have been very concerned, very, you know, trying to crack down more. But as you noted, some folks think that this would disproportionately impact black advocates activists, groups like Black Lives Matter, that kind of thing. And our third topic is about political endorsements, some that went well and some that didn't go as planned. Haley, why don't you start us off with who Rob Portman picked to replace him in the U.S. Senate? So he decided to throw his support behind Jane Temkin, who's the former chair of the Ohio Republican Party. Portman's endorsement is really the biggest one to come down in this race so far as everyone continues to wait to see what former president Trump is going to do. Portman has a long uh, relationship with Timken and her family, um, a lot of close ties. And this is going to be good for her campaign because he's well liked in Ohio, at least among Republicans, has you know deep ties to a lot of donors. And Timken's campaign told me earlier this week that just with Portman deciding to hop on board, they're expecting like $800,000 in donations just from that. And we can't talk about this endorsement without mentioning Matt Dolan. He's currently a state senator, and if his last name sounds familiar, that's because his family owns the Cleveland Guardians. So he wasn't exactly thrilled with this endorsement, was he? Not really. He, more than any of the other candidates, has definitely been playing the Portman Lane, which is a lot more traditional conservative, less of the kind of explosive inflammatory rhetoric that you're seeing from candidates like Josh Mandel and J.D. Vance. Dylan was also the only one actively touting the infrastructure deal that Portman spearheaded while a lot of the other candidates were criticizing it. So it begged the question throughout the race of whether Dolan was ultimately going to get Portman's endorsement, and he clearly did not. And speaking of endorsements that didn't go the way someone wanted, it's time for a little pillow talk. So in the race for governor, Republican Jim Renacci, I mean Renacci, is trying to unseat Governor Mike DeWine in the primary, and early this week he announced an endorsement from Mike Lindell. That's the My Pillow guy who's a big supporter of former President Donald Trump. 
Anyway, Tim Renese makes this announcement. And then a little bit later, Lindell cuts this Facebook video where he says it's not true. He didn't endorse Renese and he can't even pronounce the guy's last name. It's really a fascinating take on where Ohio Republican politics are at right now, because this is Mike Lindell's a guy who's been peddling a lot of misinformation about the 2020 election pushing a lot of the conspiracy theories that Trump and his allies have latched onto. And yet you have one of the candidates for Ohio governor's race, you know, really fighting for this endorsement and being very visibly upset when over this mishap. Yeah. Renese advisor Brad Parscale said that Lindell had promised the endorsement to Renese's running mate. And he basically said, giving your word and then calling them a liar is the worst. A lot of drama. Yeah. And it was just, it was a very awkward series of events that sort of unfolded over 24 hours. Right. And again, Mike Lindell is not Donald Trump. He's not a major player in Ohio Republican politics. So it was a very odd sideshow to watch play out. Yeah. And Trump has not endorsed in this race either. He did endorse Renese in 2018 when he ran against Sherrod Brown and lost. But we don't know if he's going to do it again. Yeah, I mean, Trump doesn't really like Governor DeWine, but he also is not a fan of people who have lost elections, which is the category that Renese would now be in. So we'll have to see. Yeah, and our fourth and final topic is former Speaker Larry Householder. So he might be out of the legislature, but that apparently hasn't stopped him from sharing his thoughts on legislation. Householder, who is awaiting trial on public corruption charges, apparently was texting Republicans about a bill that almost came up for a vote this week. It was House Bill 376. It deals with data privacy. And it was scheduled for a vote on Wednesday, which was also Rick Carfagna's last day in the legislature. It's his bill. And it was kind of a going away present, but it didn't work out. Yeah. Householder was texting Senator Jay Edwards during the hearing. And Edwards maintains, you know, that he Really didn't see it during the hearing, talked to him after. But, you know, he and other Republicans have admitted that, you know, they still they still talk to householders sometimes about legislation. To what extent he's trying to influence how they think or vote is unknown at this point. But it's certainly interesting that they're keeping in touch given the cloud around householder right now. Yeah. And if you don't remember, Carfania didn't vote for householder for speaker. He didn't vote for the infamous House Bill 6, which is now at the center of the corruption charges. Like there's no love lost between these two guys. Yeah, definitely not. And I think householder, it's possible householder had an interest in, you know, seeing this bill that Carfania was spearheading, maybe not go anywhere. And one more thing before you go. Ohio's conservative political circles lost an icon over the weekend. William Batchholder died at the age of 79. Batchholder, who's also known as Batch around the state house, um, served in the legislature for almost 40 years, including a turn as House Speaker. And our colleague, Laura Bischoff, wrote a lovely obituary chronicling his life. And one of my favorite stories is in 1971, the Democratic governor laid off the state house groundskeepers as an austerity move. Um, showing the need for a state income tax. So Vouchholder and some of the other conservatives literally mowed the lawn themselves. I love that story. I was unfamiliar with him just being new to Ohio. But, you know, looking at Laura's obituary, it certainly seems like he was very well respected and able to work in a bipartisan fashion, which is all too rare these days. Yeah. And he didn't have any problem with political theater. Like mowing the lawn wasn't his only stunt. In 1983, he also wore a dog muzzle on the House floor to protest the shutoff of debate on a tax increase. 
That's certainly one way to get people's attention. Definitely makes for a story to remember as people reflect on his life. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like the Mansfield News Journal. That's mansfieldnewsjournal.com.